0: Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I've compiled a wrap-up episode for you. It's meant to summarize the last four episodes and bubble up the key insights all in one place. But like any Cliff Notes version, however, the real meat is found within the episode, so I'm hoping to just give you a flavor for what was covered so then, you could decide and listen for yourself and for the insights you might need for the work that you do. So let's dig in. We started off the year with part two of the Benedetto Guitar Story, where the episode focused on their person-to-person marketing tactics of selling a specialized product to a small community of superfans.
1: We try to talk to everybody. We only sell direct. We don't sell through retail music stores. And so almost all the contact that we have with customers is either through our website or our newsletter and telephone calls. And through our artists, we have maybe 30 or 40 professional players that are out there playing our instruments in public places and can answer basic questions about their guitars. And then of course, this outreach that I do to universities and conservatories. But really quite often we see philanthropic gifts from owners of these guitars, mostly to college music programs, or often they give them to their guitar teachers. We have a lot of customers who will buy a Benedetto for their guitar teacher who's generations younger because their guitar teacher will never be able to afford one, and here's a a 60-year-old hedge fund guy that owns a $30,000 guitar and his teacher is playing a junk guitar Mm. they'll order a Benedetto just so that their teacher has an opportunity to play great.
0: That's so cool. I love that. How do you intersect customers if they don't either already know about you or they maybe have heard of you, but they're not necessarily on your site or in your database where you can send them an email?
1: Yeah. So we uh, have a pretty healthy budget on Google AdWords and on Facebook. and. The majority of our traffic comes through word of mouth. We have a very healthy stable of the best jazz guitarists in the world that are Benedetto artists and are thrilled to be part of the family. So they talk about our guitars whenever they're performing on stage and whenever they're doing their direct live stream concerts. The guitarists who teach at Berkeley School of Music, for example, at least 11 of the faculty members at Berkeley are Benedetto artists two faculty members of the University of Southern California, Benedetto guitarists, University of Miami, North Texas State University, the Musicians Institute out in California. Pretty much any major music program in the country has a guitarist that is a Benedetto artist or would like to be a Benedetto artist. And they purchase their guitars, with few exceptions will give a guitar to somebody if there's a circumstances warranted. But for the most part, these faculty members are buying guitars because they want to be known as Benedetto artists. And there, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of students in the country that see their professors playing Benedetto guitars and then seek us out because they're familiar with that brand. And I think the other thing that we do is we, Produce some concerts and were philanthropic in making sure that jazz festivals take place. I'm the head of the Savannah Jazz Society and I run the Savannah Jazz Festival. Uh, We do concerts at Minor Family Winery every year to launch a new Benedetto Signature Cabernet Sauvignon and do a Benedetto guitar concert there. Every year, Dave Miner, or uh, my friend and uh, colleague will build a new one-of-a-kind Benedetto guitar for him. And we will stain it with Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, wow. And uh, make uh, what we call the Venedetto series of guitars. And then we'll <laughs> do a Benedetto Cabernet wine. That Can I we'll see a sell. picture
0: of one of those after this? Uh, oh, absolutely. Pieces, uh,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. Wow. That's cool. And so I hate to call it guerrilla marketing but it's very labor intense and focused on -on, hands-on, people-to-people connectivity Mm -hmm. in the music world.
0: Most of Benedetto's marketing plan is literally person-to-person. It's the classic show-not-tell. Howard visits universities, sponsors jazz festivals, Places a Benedetto in boutique hotels, all while playing two hundred gigs a year with his own Benedetto. A round of Facebook ads cannot compete with taking the time to build engaged audiences and marketing in this way, touch point by touch point. Next, I spoke with Wiley Robinson, the co-founder of a company called Rumple, known for making blankets that use the same performance materials typically found in premium outdoor gear and activewear.
2: We realized that blankets were this really unexplored category and it's a ubiquitous category. Everybody has a blanket. But despite that fact, and despite the material innovation that we've seen in outdoor gear and athletic apparel over the last you know, three, four decades, really very little of that technology has flown through into this category. And it's the perfect application for a lot of these technologies. So that's the first thing that we're trying to do is really upgrade the category from a material standpoint But the more interesting thing that I think is why Rumpel has become a well-loved brand is the fact that the product category itself, blankets, are highly emotive, right? Like you wrap up in a blanket to feel warm and comfortable and cozy and safe and all these things. And despite that fact, there are very, very few brands that own that experience that the user has with the product. So one of my favorite questions to ask people is, how many blankets do you have in your household? I would ask you right now. Let's try it.
0: How many do we have? Well, we have a lot. Yeah. So besides the one on the bed, I mean, we have like at least five on the first floor.
2: Sure. So let's, for speed, let's say you've got 15 throughout the house. I would argue it's probably more, but let's just say 15. Okay. My follow-up question is always, okay, name one brand of blanket. Mm. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you have this experience with the product that's highly emotive. It's a good, comfortable experience by definition, and there's no brand owning that experience. Mm -hmm. So there's no Nike of blankets. Right. And so what I think is more interesting, you know, the the material piece of this is obviously really important. But what's more interesting is the emotional connection that we're able to create with our customers for a product category that is innately emotive.
0: So your blankets, they're made out of the material of a sleeping bag, right?
2: Yep. A sleeping bag or a, you know, puffer jacket.
0: And so it's that shiny material. Yeah. So what do you say to the people who are like, well, I I just really want to feel cozy. And I don't think cozy when I think about those high-tech materials.
2: Well, I would definitely ask them to give the product a try because you'll find that it is quite cozy. And in addition to providing warmth and coziness, I think that the real value that Rumpel provides is you can take these things anywhere. You know, you can take them out on your patio at your backyard or camping or whatever, and they're not gonna pick up debris and pine needles and leaves and grass and all sorts of things that a, a wool or a cotton blanket would pick up. Right. So if you think about spending time out on a patio, it's really nice to have a blanket at night. And there's really no good offering out there, in my opinion, besides rumple.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Fire pit weather, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. The Puffy Blanket is a modern, high-performance version of the Everyday Blanket. It's designed to keep you warm and cozy Anywhere you go, or when you don't go anywhere at all.
0: I like how Rumple is expanding the definition of outdoors to go beyond hardcore camping and also expanding the definition of home to be wherever you feel cozy and comfortable. I think it's important to note the emotion that Rumple is tapping into. When you think about any blanket you've purchased, you probably can't recall the brand name, but you can recall how it made you feel once you reach for it. I like their ambition of being the Nike of blankets, making a very ubiquitous item eventually sought after, appreciated, and asked for by name. Next up was a raw take on 2021 trends with Heidi Waldusky from AdAge. The backdrop for our conversation was Trend Hunter's 2021 trend report. I threw some of these trends at Heidi to get her take on things like Robot retail, appointment-only shopping, branded merch, and at-home fitness trends.
3: I always find the conversation so interesting that basically what they're saying is talking about two to three years of innovation compressed in a nine-month period.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think what it does do is give a lot of permission for experimentation. Agreed. And there are just some basic necessities. Yes, we talk about hygiene. And yes, we talk about cleanliness. But when it comes to like basic practices, I can see definitely like grocery stores, restaurants, whatever being like, no, this is actually like a really good idea. Right. (laughs) Not only does it keep our employees safer and less sick you know, keeps our customers safe too. So from a pure, the healthier and more productive my employees can be like the less sick time I have to pay out and the less workforce that I'm losing and the healthier my employees are. It's like, these are all good things. That's just basic where innovation needs to go. So yeah, I'm into that. I'm still on the fence about the robots because-
0: I'm on the fence about the robots too. But you know, I was just looking at my list. There's one that we did not talk about that I can't believe we didn't talk about it. It's called the At Desk Workout.
3: Oh my God, I need this so bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So they're showing stationary bikes or treadmills with spaces for a laptop. So the case that they're making is that we're working from home now. So our day is one big blur. So instead of people taking time to work out at home, which obviously at home workouts are on the rise, but this is, I have a laptop and I'm walking on the treadmill. Or I have a laptop and I'm on a stationary bike. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So I saw
3: Al Roker has one of these. I don't know if he still has it. Years ago, they were doing a tour of Today Show offices or whatever. And there was Al, you know, like he's like walking and typing and whatever. I would actually probably appreciate one of those, but you couldn't be doing anything. You'd have to be just like on the phone. You can't be putting together a new business (laughs) deck. I just don't have that kind of hand-eye brain (laughs) formation. I would actually like to see some research on this because, you know, they talk about how a lot of the success of our jobs relies on our ability to go into the zone and focus and think. And yes, multitask, but like when you're in the zone and you're creating, you have to be able to kind of like punch it out. So I just don't know if my brain is capable of doing both of those things at once. So as long as, you know, like, listen, if I'm just taking a quick call, and I'm walking, sure. I don't know if the walking desk or the bike desk or whatever it is just further blurs the line. of Don't ever take any time for yourself. Just work. Just work the whole day and the whole night. You don't even need to make time for a workout anymore.
0: <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. It's like,
3: it's like oh, just sit at at your desk for literally 18 hours and then they're gonna have like the instapot treadmill with a chopping a cutting board so i just put all my ingredients i chop it all up i don't even have to there's just no separation of any activity i was actually looking at one of these things it was an infomercial for a little peddler and again, it was basically for like 80 year olds who walk nowhere. So it was like, get those legs moving. And then I was like, maybe I need one of those to put under my little <laughs> work at home setup. What like, is it? I think it was supposed to replicate bike, but you're sitting in it like a stationary. Oh, bike. Yes. You're like, okay. These little pedals that were supposed to kind of replicate that, but it was just a pedal. Like it's not a wheel. <laughs> well, I don't really
0: And like we're everybody a really good ankle workout. Maybe.
3: Right. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> my ankles are going to be after this. But if everybody who started in the commercial was <laughs> older. But for a minute there, I thought I should get one. Because I'm just sitting all day. And then I was like, what you could also do for free is just stand up out of the chair. And then maybe actually just do some stretches with your human body <laughs> instead of buying something. <laughs> that also seems like a good idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I'll end with the latest episode from last week, which I called Insights Throwdown, the first one in a series. The idea came to me when I realized I wanted to bring you the cultural insights that have been swirling around in my head from reports and data that I've been reading lately. In that episode, I place future bets on how we've changed as people and how brands should respond to the shifts of our mindsets and behaviors. Here's a clip. EY reports a third of global consumers strongly agree with a suggestion that they will reappraise the things that they value most and not take certain things for granted. And really, more than a quarter of them said that they would pay more attention to what they actually consume and what the impact of their consumption is. So, maybe we'll see this shift to consumers becoming even more mindful than maybe they were before, not only in how they spend their time, but on the consequences of their buying choices. The pandemic has led everyone around the globe to the quote unquote, big re-examination. And there's two very human insights that are bubbling up for me around this phenomenon. The first is we've realized what's truly important in life and frankly, a little embarrassed to admit the things that we used to hold in high regard. Think about what's changed in a year in terms of your own routine habits. So they can range from the mundane of like no longer wearing work clothes and getting that weekly manicure or the shoe shopping habit that you developed and had to give up, or to more impactful things like dialing back wasteful consumerism, not having a long daily commute. No longer will we accept not having a balance between our work life and home life after this experience. And now that we've realized what's really important to us, we might leave some of those relic behaviors behind. And here's the second one. The second human insight is we're more appreciative for what we have because we saw how quickly it could all change. I mean, we have this renewed appreciation for people, places and things like we've never had before. We're collectively just bowing to never take for granted restaurants and servers and hugging people, shaking hands, going to concerts, even the in-person meetings that used to flood our calendars that we hated, we miss them. And even toilet paper was a thing. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about what we do at brandcrudo.com. I wanna thank all of my guests who share their stories and experiences with me. And I hope this Cliff Notes version gave you a flavor for any topics you might've missed. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. It's the only way the podcast reaches new people, so I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening.